So I go on YouTube and watch some of that old stuff, and they're chasing y'all out of helicopters, and y'all running for miles and miles down the river. That was some of the most fun times in bass fishing right there. When Jerry McKinnis and uh, Tommy and all of them were up and they, they came down on helicopters and interviewed us right there. <laughs> Welcome to episode three of Hunter Fishes podcast presented by Stick Five Rods. Today I have one of my heroes in the studio with me, that a uh, longtime fishing pro, Mark Rose. How you doing, Mr. Mark? I'm good, Hunter. Glad to be here with you, buddy. Man, we're glad to have you here. Just to start, uh, just tell me a little bit about who Mark is. Well, just as simple as the day is long. I'm just an old country boy from Arkansas that's doing a whole lot better than he deserves. Uh, I've been fishing, this is coming up on my 23rd year of professional fishing. And uh, yeah, I started right over there on the Mississippi River when the FLW came in, uh, in Memphis. And I was working with the Boy Scouts of America. Didn't have the money for that entry fee to come along, but my dad helped me out. And we got the entry fee paid. I finished third, won $25,000, quit my job the next week. And I've been fishing for 23 <laughs> years now. I live in eastern Arkansas uh, on Crowley's Ridge, right over there between Forest City and Wynn on Highway 284. Uh, we used to live in West Memphis and Marion area, but we moved over um, over there just to kind of get out in the country a little bit, built a little lake and bought a little bit of hunting ground over there. And you've seen it. You've been over there fishing close by. And yeah, we just wanted to get right outside of town, but yet close enough to Little Rock in Memphis to where if you know, I got girls, so uh, they're gonna need something from the city all the time. And um, yeah, just love to hunt and fish and played college baseball at Arkansas State. First two years at Northwest Community College in Senatobia, Mississippi. And, uh, and then I transferred over to Arkansas State, finished up there, worked for the Boy Scouts of America for three years, went on to fishing, I've been fishing ever since. So just a, uh just a good old country boy that gets to go fish for a living. That's it. You that's, know, that's all me, man. <laughs> that uh, you talking about that that first FLW on the Mississippi River? I actually watched that last year. I fished the Wind Bass Club when I'm home. Yeah. And they were going over there, and I thought I was going to fish. I ended up not fishing that one, but so I got on YouTube and watched some of that old stuff. And they're chasing y'all out of helicopters, and y'all running for miles and miles down the river. That was some of the most fun times in bass fishing right there when jerry mckinnis and uh tommy and all of them were up and they they came down on helicopters and interviewed us right there talking to us well on the headphone you know with, uh in the helicopter it's just some of the neatest kind of breakthroughs in the media of fishing really because now we have a lot of live out there camera guys in the boat but back then it was just four or five cameramen and you had to find the guys that were doing good you know and so they would, when, you, when you're 60 miles from Memphis down on Tunica Lake, you know, they can't just, it's, it's not, not as easy. So it's a short little trip with a helicopter. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was good times, man. All that beginning stuff was, was pretty neat. Is that where you were running, Tunica? Well, <clears throat> in that tournament, there was a little old bar ditch just a little bit below Memphis down there that when the river was right, you could get in it with an aluminum boat. 
and at that time there was no restrictions uh you know you could take another aluminum boat if you want to so i borrowed an aluminum boat the first two days of the tournament well i borrowed it for one night and then they told me that uh the guy that I borrowed it from said, no, I'm going fishing the next day. You can't use it again. And I done made the cut. I was in the top ten, you know, so I had to go borrow another one. And I borrowed another boat, got in this little bar ditch, made the cut. And then back then we would go in the FLW boats. And uh, once you made the finals, and, yeah, I would, went to Tunica the last two days. I know. I saw there was – somebody was running the Greenville, weren't they? Like Davy Hyatt maybe was running way down there? They did. They Well, they ran to Whittington. Whittington, okay. Um, which it's it's shy of Greenville, Ferguson, and all, but yeah, that, that Mississippi River is it's it's unlike it is in, and I love going up to Lacrosse and Red Wing and that area up in there, because those fish live right out on the main river. There's it's great smallmouth fishing and and what have you, largemouth fishing too. And but down here with the rough fish and you know all that, it's it's they're back in those oxbows and. So yeah, we you had to you have to run on the Mississippi River to uh, to be able to get to a a good spot to fish. Almost like fishing the White River for here. To, exactly. For the guys that were from Arkansas know. Yeah, the White River still you can catch them um, in the main river flipping those root wads and stuff for Kentuckys. It's some of the most fun habitat and Absolutely. fishing that you can do around here. I've seen your hook set. I've seen the way you flip and. Uh, I've been in the boat with you, and I could tell you—you you probably would like to be up and down that White River, flipping that old—they call it the black, black and red gets it. Oh yeah. Everybody still calls it a gets it around here. I don't know why, <laughs> but it's a gets it to all of my buddies. It's a two. You can but, thank Scott Rook for that. I yeah. think he kind of stuck everybody with the gets it term years ago. Right I know, here. I know. Those guys still call it that. Everybody around the house on, in the Wind Bass Club, black neon gets it. That's exactly that. That White River is a fun place. Yeah. Um, I look back. I'm not gonna look now. I think I can remember. I did a little studying on you last night. I look Uh-oh. back at your, oh, kind of your results over you know the last what do you say twenty something years yeah. that you've done this. Eight wins, angler of the year. But I noticed something about. I may have the date wrong. 2004, I would say to 2002 maybe. You went from. Mediocre. You're still having some good tournaments, but you went from the 40s to 60s in the points to like third, and then third, mm-hmm. and then 10th, or whatever it was. But there was a huge difference. Yeah. And that that intrigued me. What was? Could you tell what the difference was? Yeah. Uh, that was 2007, and uh, I had begin. I'd had a career hunter where I was making a living, just making a living in this sport. My wife taught elementary school for uh, 13 years and uh, she supported the fishing career early on you know we, this has been a team effort but um, I was just making some years well below you know making it and then 2007 I began really getting involved in electronics I, I wanted to know more I wanted to use you know siding down just started coming out right about that time and I was uh, I just got lost in it, and I began getting closer to electronics companies and friends and people that I knew that were, and uh, and along that time, over the next couple of years, became really good friends with Randy Haynes over on the Tennessee River uh, in that Pickwick area, 
he kind of fed off of me for shallow water fishing and I fed off of him for offshore fishing. But it was right before I met Randy uh, that I won my first uh, FLW tournament on Pickwick and I won it on the spoon. I, I was watching Kelly Jordan fishing the ultimate match fishing on Kentucky Lake. And he was doing it with this big spoon. And I, it was just intriguing to me at the time. And so I called around, I found out where I could get the spoon. It was a, a guy down in uh, uh, Lake Fork who came up with this deal. And I called him, got me six or eight of them. I went to Pickwick, kind of pre-practiced for this one FLW tour event and found the mother load. And they just ate that spoon up. I won the tournament. At weigh-in, I met Randy at that tournament. We became really good friends, and I just got lost in the electronics world, and from then on, I won a tournament every year after that for the next eight or nine years, and it just, uh, or eight years, and it just kind of, that's that was the difference maker. You know, I, I began, it seemed like early on, I was fishing for five bites a day. I was that jump a beaver dam, get away from everybody, get in the backwater area. Mississippi River kid. Exactly. And then I just, I began noticing that David Fritz was going out there and getting five bites and five casts. And I was like, man, that's got to be a lot less stressful than <laughs> having four fish in the boat at 30 minutes full weigh-in and getting that final bite, you know. right? That was my fishing style at the time. And so, yeah, I just kind of took things to a, and then I learned from those guys, those friends, Randy and Tony Browning and some other guys that uh, I became really good friends with over there and made and, and began adding to that, you know, uh, feeding off of it, the basics, and just taking it, trying to take it to the next level and the next level. And it's now that forward imaging has come along, it's just, you know, it continues to evolve. But... It, it was getting lost in the electronics at the time when ever, I don't think everybody else was catching on quite as fast as I wanted to take it. And I, and I was blessed for a while there to, uh, to really make a difference. And it helped me understand that offshore game, which has helped me then since. Haven't won a whole lot in the past couple of years as far as winning tournaments, but it's helped me have a, a really solid career of top tens and stuff like that, making championships. So do you feel like now with the forward facing, everything going on, I mean, I've never been an offshore guy. I am now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes it way too easy to be able to pull out there and right. make one throw, hit the brush pile, the stump, whatever you're throwing at. What's that do to you guys that were already out there? Is it crowding it? It's crowding it. It's making the fish uh, a little smarter. Um, but it's an – Man, it, it'll change again. Something else will come along, and it, you know, we saw it with the, with different things. You know, there's been different technique, whether it be an Alabama rig or, or forward-facing sonar or side, side and down scan. There's always something big that comes along and changes everything. And uh, will this this will probably help the bank fishermen uh, or shallow water cover fish because they'll, I mean, it's. You only got so much mass of water, and if you take it up offshore, which is where we've been beating them to death up shallow, and then they pushed them offshore. Now, it's, if it gets crowded offshore, they just begin to spread out even more. And 
it's just an evolution. You know, it's it's not good. It's not bad. It's not. It's just. It's it's what it's it ever changing. It's just what it is. Yeah. There's a lot of people on a bandwagon that wants to ban it from tournament fishing and all that. And you know, it's no different than when a trolling motor came out or when a, a depth finder came out or or whatever. Uh, it's just advancing. And these electronics companies do a lot for the sport, you know, put a lot of money into it. So um, it's just part of it. That's, you know, when I first got it, I was probably, I was probably two years, maybe a year behind everybody else. I got <clears throat> live scope is what I had before facing. And uh, I went to Little, little Lake Air and BB, Barnett, and I scanned around. I had no idea. You know, like my boat was brand new. I just, I dumped yep. it. I scanned around, and I thought, man, that looks like a tree. Well, that looks like bait swimming that tree. I think that's a fish on the side of those bait. Yeah. And I jerked jerk bait down there, and the first bite I had was eight pounds. And my buddy, just almost immediately, we found another single, and he caught a six-pounder on it. And I thought, man, this is going to be awesome. For the next year, I did not weigh in a fish on forward-facing sonar. Like it, so it definitely does not catch the fish. You know, and that's... It drives me nuts when people are trying to ban it because it's just a tool like everything else. But it it took me a year of having it and getting frustrated looking at it. And then when it clicked, it clicked in tournament, you fall Alabama. And when it clicked, it clicked. You know, and then I weighed in everything I had off, off of it that tournament. Yeah. But, but it, it is. It's just a tool. There's times you got to turn that sucker off. Yes. And it me personally, you. when I go shallow, it all gets shut off anyway, so it's quiet. You know, and that's, uh-huh. I grew up fishing Arkansas River, and that's what I want to do. I want to be shallow, but that's not always what needs to be done to pay yep. the bills either, you know. Yep. So, Mark, we, uh, I think probably anybody who follows you knows your slogan. Your slogan is faith, family, fishing, in that order. And, uh, you and I both, you know, have pretty strong faith. How much does that play a role in your fishing? Well, I had to do something where I, you know, I, I knew at the time I got saved whenever I was in the, the high school, um, and I, I wanted to do something in my career where I could live out my faith. I knew it wasn't being a go to seminary and be a pastor. That wasn't what I felt the Lord calling me to do or anything. But I wanted it to be a part of whatever I did choose to do. And then, uh, man, it just, fishing was, fishing came along as a, a mean, as a kind of collide, a, a collision of my competitive spirit colliding with my outdoor passion. And then my faith, I, I knew that I could live out my faith in that because. I was free to, you know, I was basically my own brand and I could do my own thing and I could live out my, and I could have some ministry. And I believe when we get saved, we all have a ministry with whatever we're involved in. We, we have an obligation to be able to share the love of Christ with, with people. And, uh, so yeah, I I was going to be free to be able to do that. And it was just a, it's, it's a big part of what I do. I, I, you know, I, I, I want to, first and foremost, share the love of Christ with people while I'm on this earth, while I am in this uh, physical body here on earth. I want to be able to tell as many people as I can how much God loves them, how much he died for them, and how much uh, he wants them to just put their faith in him and allow him to, uh, you know, pay that sin debt and so that they will 
you know, be free and, and, and go to heaven. And gosh, it, 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 that's, that's so important to me. Whatever I do, I've got to be able to do that because that's my, I know that's what God, why I'm here on earth. I, I know, I'm, I know that as sure as I know anything about, I may not know everything about fishing. I may not know anything about my relationship with my, my family and everything else in life, but I know that my job is to share the love of Christ with people. And so I had to do something where I could do that. And in fishing, I, I, you know, it's wide open. Some, unfortunately, some professions, you know, they, you just can't, they, they frown on that. And I knew that I couldn't, couldn't be put in that situation so yeah man i've seen a lot of uh been able to share the love of christ with a lot of people and some people get saved through through all this so it's been a neat deal that's awesome so to me practice makes perfect and to be good at something you have to practice for my faith it's going to church yeah like that is part of reading your bible is also part of yep but if you're if you're missing that church on Sunday morning, that's a big part of my faith to keep me kind of my tank full, you know. And and how is it? Because I, I mean, I live the same life you do. I mean, I'm right. gone a lot. How does that? I know we do. You do fisherman church. We do it as well at ours. How does that affect your your walk? You know, that's neat that you say that because we're in a century now, and we're in a time frame now where, and especially right after this COVID that the, the church is really hurting because people are seeing or they're, they're trying new ways to fulfill that quote unquote religion in, in their life. And it's not really about religion, you know, church. I, I'm like you. I like traditional church because I can go that I know that there's been a pastor that has been educated on in the word of God and he's prepared a message for God's people to come and gather and worship him. And I get something out of that message every Sunday. I get something, a, a, you know, with being around other Christian, other believers, encouragement, uh, things like that. And so there's so many people now that say, well, I can do all that through uh, listening to a, a sermon on television. Y yeah, yes and no. You know, there's something about the the gathering of believers to come together and worship God, and and you're learning. You know, a, a pastor getting up there and teaching you uh, in a uh, in in a group type setting. Man, it's just something that I'm like you. I need. It's how I grow, and it's a staple in your life. It, it, it helps, and you don't need to use it. It doesn't need to be a repetition. I think that's the worst thing that some a family can do is go to church through repetition. It and it, I have to be careful not to just let that happen. I want to, I want it to, I want it to be something. I want to use it something. I want to learn something every Sunday, and uh, and yeah, it's it's neat that you bring up traditional church because it is very important. And that was the conviction that I had to start fishing church. Uh, I would go to church wherever I was at when I fished FLW and everything, and it, it would take up a Sunday morning because that was one of the three days of practice, and so I would lose a half a day of Sunday. But I, I felt like I wasn't losing it; I was gaining it because that was the best practice I could possibly do. Be talking, be hanging out with the guy that made all the fish, you know. Uh, 
So, but then I began realizing that. So on this tournament trail, you got 150 guys, however many in your trail, 80 to 150 families coming to this one. They're pulled away from their own home churches, so they can't have that traditional church. And a lot of guys weren't comfortable going to a new church like I would. I didn't care. I'll go. But they just weren't company walk, comfortable walking into a First Baptist Church of Gunnersville or a First Baptist, you know, whatever. Um, so I said, well, I'll just, I just got convicted that actually I was going to church once, and, and Greg Bohannon told me, he said, man, I'd like to go with you, but I, I just don't want to miss out on the, on the practice. I, 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 like, I want to do both. And I was like, God just convicted me that night and said, why don't you plan a message before daylight, 30 minutes before daylight every morning on your Sundays of your events, whether it falls on a practice day or a tournament day, and you put the message together or invite somebody else, your other Christian buddies, to bring a message, and y'all have your own church, which is basically uh, somebody preparing from the Word of God. We don't make this stuff up. It comes right out of the Bible. Somebody prepare a message. You have prayer requests, just like you do in a church service. You pray for your loved ones and family and friends inside the church. You know, you sing a little bit in church. We don't do that in the fishing church. Fishermen can't sing a lick, so uh, we it's it's minus the singing basically. But uh, but yeah, it's just a you know, if it's raining, you wear a rain suit. Um, it's it's fish. It's church. So uh, I just got convicted to put that together, and we have it, and it's uh, it's kind of snowball. It's carried over into the your you guys trail. Um, I think Bass is now doing a fishing church, and it's carried over into the Tackle Warehouse Invitational. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great that we're not, uh, you know, Sunday, you can argue whether Sunday is the real day that, you know, of the Sabbath. I don't want to argue that. I just want, we've set aside Sunday to honor God in, in our country. So on that day, uh, during a fishing turn, tournament or whatever, we're not going to, squander that we're not going to sweep it under the rug just because we have a big deal going on lights camera all that we're still going to have we can do it before daylight before all that starts we're still going to honor god on the day that uh we do it in this country and we do it in in tournaments too that's and it's so important to me you know to have that wherever you're at to be be in that group because i was telling my pastor you know in 2020 when everybody was online the only way you go to church everybody shut down told my pastor i've never slept through service before in my life and i slept through two of them because you're sitting in the recliner and it doesn't matter how you know you it's just not the same you know and you're that's right i end up falling asleep two different times but i know there's something about being in that corporate setting of, of of worship being around other believers that that you know love the same lord you do and can you can feed off of one another and hearing a pastor preach about it it's something special for sure so you know the next thing on your little saying is, is family. How important is family to you? And and I know your wife, she doesn't travel with you, is that correct? She doesn't travel with me because I've always had two girls in school. You know, Natalie, she's 24 and married now and out of the house, but we still have Hannah Grace at home, and she's busy with a lot of things. And, you know, we were blessed along the 2010, somewhere around in there, for my wife to uh, stop teaching and utilize her skills in education to 
give to my daughters to whenever they might be struggling with a certain subject or a problem or whatever. And so she's able to do that. She's able to handle a lot of the accounting, paperwork, scheduling, stuff like that for me. Um, so, yeah, Rose Outdoors is uh, faith, family, and fishing. We, we Rose Outdoors is our business. That's our brand. We put everything under an LLC. So I, my, whether I'm speaking, tournament fishing, uh, whatever I'm doing, it's all under Rose Outdoors. And But the priorities are there. It's, it's, it's our faith. It's our relationship with God first. And then we try to... Um, you know, we try to put family right up there in, in its place, right right behind God. And it's really important to all of us that I s spend quality time with, you know, my wife and daughters, and they spend quality time with me. Anytime that we're going out in a tournament and there's two or three in a row, we try to make sure that we either meet in the middle, fly somewhere, and try not to let that three-week span go without seeing one another. And, but it's easy in fishing because... Uh, although you have to sacrifice some, what job do you not have to do that in? Because now, this time of year, we love to hunt, we love to fish, and we're able to do that. I'm at home 100% of the time, and so yeah. But we try to uh, share the importance of spending time with family, and I think most people in this country get that. You know, there's some that don't, but I think everybody wants to. They love their family. For sure. You know, when I, I started traveling two years ago and when I started I didn't you know it was just me and my wife Andrea and it wasn't that hard to leave I love Andrea to death but she was doing her own thing working you know and like we weren't together all the time anyway so to leave for a week wasn't that big a deal you know and then I've got Kenley's 19 months and I actually had to fly home from Florida from a tournament so I could be there for her to be born but uh you know when she got here now I've got this new one Cassidy it's about six weeks old but uh you know, the, I remember the first time I left without them after Kenley was born, and I thought, my gosh, I don't want to leave. Well, matter of fact, I flew home, and the the baby was born, Kenley was born, yeah. and I got on a plane that night and flew back to Florida and finished the tournament. And thinking, you know, that she's not even a day old yet and having to get on a plane and leave, mm -hmm. it was hard. But then, then really, when I had to leave for a week, it's like, man, it makes a big difference, you know. And, and I'm fortunate they're young enough that, that they can travel with me, but it – comes a time here in a few years when they'll have to be at home, you know, be in school. But it uh, definitely, you know, without that family backing, I'm sure I'm sure most of the anglers' wives are 100% supportive like mine or you would never be able to do this because it, it takes a lot away. You miss a lot of things. and Yeah, a fisherman out here needs a good wife uh, that's going to – that understands this lifestyle and uh, supports it and all that. And it has its downfalls you know, the time away and things like that. But there's a lot of pluses that kind of outweigh them too in the, in the fact that, you know, we're, we're home, when we're home, we're home 100%. Right. And so if you look at the, if you average out the time, it uh, it's just as good or better as a nine to five, uh, two people working and trying to make ends meet there. That's, you know, and that's, that's what we've talked about. I'm home a lot when I need to be. You know, sometimes you can't control it. Most time you can. Out of two kids, I never missed a baby doctor appointment with my wife going to them. You know, so you right. couldn't do that working nine to five. You'd miss some. There's no, no way you couldn't. So. Hey, and there's times whenever we need to be gone. Give them women some time off. <laughs> that's right. Let me tell you something. That's a healthy relationship right there, buddy. <laughs> Go fishing some days and let them have their, their days with the girls' time and stuff like that. It's You know, I've always said that my wife and I are the epitome. We, we are 
the the blueprint of opposites attract. She didn't grow up hunting and fishing, anything like that, and uh, she supports me doing it and doesn't have any problem at all. And I don't have any problem with you know her doing the, the things that she likes to do. And but she's not a big hunter fisherman. They can be schooling five pounders all around the boat. She'll go out there and fish five minutes, catch her two or three of them. She's reading a book, sun tanning. I always say, you know, if it's 70 when we start today, 70 when we end, a light breeze, nice and sunny, and schooling fish, Andrew will last a couple hours before right. she's ready to go in. Yeah, my wife's 10 minutes. <laughs> but she said she wouldn't ever uh, marry somebody that fished and hunted as much as her dad, and I believe she married somebody that fished and hunts more than her dad does. <laughs> Mark, let's get back on the fishing a little bit. Uh, MLF, Bass Pro Tour, five yeah. fish limit coming up. What do you think? Man, Hunter, uh, it's been a hot topic for a couple months now since uh, I think MLF officials and the staff just wanted to, there was so much uh, requests from fans and some of the anglers of getting back to that traditional five fish, mainly so people could understand it better. The, the, the biggest downfall, I think, that people had with MLF was changing too much change all at once. You had the cups, you had knockout rounds, you had championship. How do you get there? How do you advance to sudden death? And and it was just all that stuff that people just didn't get. So it's just taking it back to the five. The same guys are going to do good, man. Absolutely. You know, when we came over here, the same guys that did good in five fish tournaments did good, uh, you know, catching a bunch of – because let me tell you something. I've always wanted to catch the biggest fish that I could, even when I was fishing all I could, you know, catching all I can. Every now and then you go to a lake like a Table Rock or somewhere like that where you might could put a Ned rig on and just wear them pound-and-a-half spots out. But for the most part, the U-Follows and the Gunnersvilles and the, all that kind of stuff, there's enough three, four, five, six-pounders in there to where, man, you got to go after them because they, they add up. A six-pounder adds up a whole lot more than three twos. <laughs> And it takes you a whole lot longer to catch three twos than it does a six. That's right. So uh, it's going to be the same. You'll see a little bit, you know, I'll pack more of those swim baits, maybe a glide bait or two now. Bigger topwaters might have a few less drop shot, Ned Rig-ish stuff. But for the most part, it's just fishing, man. It's going to be going out there and, doing the same thing we've been doing it's it's not going to change a whole lot really that's you know you see there was a lot of you saw some excitement over it i think you heard rumors some people leaving you know to go different ways and then you see them back in there maybe that turned some people around i know timmy horton retired and then came back i know i know he couldn't stand it (laughs) it'd be be hard to walk away from man i I couldn't imagine retiring right now and i'm tired of the travel that that wears me out. I, I get burnt out a little quicker. It used to be November. I was burnt out, man. I would I didn't want to see a bass rod till February. Then it started being October. <laughs> now it's on up into July. But I still couldn't imagine not doing. I still have so much salt left and still healthy enough to. I may not sound like it right now to all you folks. I got a cold and congested, but. But, yeah, I still have enough uh, salt left to where I feel like I'm going to be able to. My goal is to fish till I'm anywhere from 58 to 60. 
You're not going to be a Rick Klein? No. 75? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm going to do it till uh, I'm about somewhere between 50 and 60. Y'all will see Mark Rose just kind of fade off into the sunset. And you won't – I'll be like George Cocker. You won't hear much out of me anymore, Hunter. You, I'm, I'm not going to be doing a lot of these podcasts. I'm not going to be emceeing. I'm, you know, that's my thoughts right now. I'm just going to kind of just you and the crappie after that. Me right? and the crappie and the family. Yeah, we're going to try to just uh, travel a little bit and maybe just do some things we hadn't been able to do over all these years. But fishing has been awful good to me, man. I can't imagine leaving it right now. Uh, I've got some great partners. Uh, some of the best in the industry and and uh, we're doing some exciting things doing some positive things for just humanity not just fishing you know so uh, I'm involved in a lot of stuff and a lot of good important stuff and for the Lord also and so I can't uh, I can't imagine taking away that platform right now but there will be a time whenever it comes and I'll gladly hang my hat just like I did with baseball and I left my I remember making the last out we were at Dish Falk Stadium in Texas Arkansas State was playing in the regional tournament I uh I caught the last out I was playing left field I caught the last out I left my hat and my ball glove right there on the bench I didn't want to see it anymore I left it all and I walked away from it and that's probably what I'll do in fishing. I'll probably hang my hat on my, on my somewhere and uh, and just kind of walk away and retire to everything and go crappie fishing. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> but it ain't gonna be anytime soon. <laughs> Still got a while. Yeah. You mentioned uh, some of your partners a minute ago. I found out today we now share a new partner. That's right. Red River Auto Group. Yep. Matter of fact, they've got a Toyota dealership there in Wynn, not far from your house. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's new to you. Big news. You excited? I am excited. Um, I've had a uh, a vehicle partner for the last few years, and uh, it's just I, I want to thank those guys at Landers over in South Haven. Uh, it's, it was it was great, you know, for for a time. But they, they are uh, they're they got a lot going on over there, and they're kind of redirecting some things that uh, they wouldn't have put emphasis in and uh, their the outdoors program wasn't you know as 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 high on the priority list and they got again big building projects and stuff like that and so uh, Mitch and I met at Red River and just man he he really uh, he's already started a Red River Outdoors program that he wanted me to help get involved in and he mentioned you getting involved in it and and maybe rusty creasy and and some of those other guys and so yeah we're going to uh reach the outdoorsman you know with red river outdoors and that's uh i look forward to it look forward to working with you on it on some projects hopefully and yeah it's they're a neat they got a store in cabot uh ford store i believe and then the ram jeep eagle in there in heber and toyota and ford and in win and I believe they've got another Ram, maybe Hot Springs, South South Arkansas. They've got another. Okay, okay. So, but yeah, Mitch is just outdoors, my man. He just he hunts and fishes. I know his boys fish, love the fish. So yeah, I just met him for the first time uh, here recently, and uh, seemed like our values line up really well. And I'm excited about some new things that we're going to be doing over there. I'm I'm, I'm really excited about it. Good deal. 
Well, hey, so what I did, you know, this is all new to me. This is only the third podcast I've ever hosted in my life. So I really don't well, know what like I'm doing. you seem like a pro at it. Well, I'm not a pro at anything in life. <laughs> but what I did, I posted on. I, 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 no, you are a pro. You're a pro inspiration to people all over the world, Hunter. I want to stop and say that because let me tell you something. I have so much respect for you doing what you do and i thought that your tournament win when you won that uh toyota series where was it in oklahoma in uh where did i go it was missouri um the one above like those arts truman truman Truman. Yeah. yeah when you won that i posted on my social media that i felt like that was the most inspirational biggest tournament win that anybody has ever done in the history of fishing. I now use those big words in the history of fishing because let me tell you something. Whenever you have the disabilities that you have and you're competing against everybody else in the field that has 100% of their physical ability and for you to have what you have and for you to come out on top of all of them is unbelievable to me. And I think I still think that it's the biggest, most important most special thing that's ever been done in the history of bass fishing and that in doing that you're an inspiration to a lot of people and i truly believe that you love the lord with all your heart you give him the praise for it and you don't complain you came over there i mean you shot a whole fishing show with me one day and you didn't have me push you anywhere and you shot a bow on i mean what you can do and the disabilities that you have is unbelievable to me and i'll always say that that's uh that that win was the most important win so yeah you are a pro and you're pretty doggone good inspirational uh influence on a lot of people in this country well i appreciate that very much you bet so what i've done we'll see how this goes you may you may not want to answer these i don't know so i posted i'm trying to figure out how to do this and hold my mic here i posted on my social media last night that I was going to have you on. And I said, let's ask Mark Rose some questions. Uh-oh. So, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to go over here to Instagram. I don't think there was... My daughter has a boyfriend. <laughs> 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 I don't think there's a couple on Instagram here. Okay. I don't. Okay. Your testimony, that was the biggest one on Instagram. Would you... I got saved the summer between my 10th and 11th grade year in high school. And... Uh, it was just the most special time. I had, I want to, I'll tell you real quick about it. Um, I was, so I was a part of a, a, a high school fraternity, Delta Sigma, a bunch of jocks, pretty much, football players, baseball players. And we had to do a good turn every Sunday, something to make us look good something positive for the community. So this Sunday we were going to Vanderbilt Avenue Baptist Church because Keith Garner, who was one of the guys in Delta Sigma, his dad was the pastor, Brother Bill Garner. I went, sat down on the front row, and that was when I got convicted. That's when the Lord started dealing with Mark Rose's heart. I had been to church with my mama and granddad growing up, fell asleep on the pew, and never, you know. But that was when I started understanding the gospel what Jesus did for me. And I was a, just a, I mean, I was a teenage boy that was just kind of making up life as it went along, kind of not really happy, not no, you know, just living and had no direction in life. Um, 
wondered a lot, had a lot of questions. And to make a long story short, through uh, several months of those people, Keith and his dad and a lot of people praying for me, I finally got it one night at church. And I walked down that aisle and, uh, man, it was just amazing. First of all, I went and met the pastor in his office, and he knew I wanted to meet with him. And uh, I told him I was ready to get saved, and we he prayed with me and shared the gospel with me, and I put my faith in Jesus Christ. And, man, uh, that was the most special day that I'd, I, you know, I've ever had in my life. And I, I, I was so worried all those, those six months that I wanted to walk down that aisle. I was worried about the people in the congregation. I was worried about my parents. I was worried about my friends. I was worried about the girls that I knew in high school. They say, man, he, you know, I was worried about the negative criticism that I would look up and see from them. But then once I got the gospel, I realized they're sinners just like me. That whether they had, you know, received Christ or not, that then they're going to, to get to heaven, they're going to have to do the same exact same thing. And I just understood. And, I, and man, I just had so much peace after that. I, I, I went from a kid that was just making up life um, as he went to having meaning and understanding. And so, yeah, I got saved whenever the summer between my 10th and 11th grade year in high school, and it was the best decision that I ever made. That's awesome. Awesome. What else we got? Facebook. Some of these are going to be one-word answers. That's my personal Facebook. There's nothing on there. Questions for Mark Rose. We need to get over here. Where are we at? All right, here we go. Here we go. Does Mark turkey hunt? No, I don't turkey hunt. There's too many fish spawning in there. Well, here's why. Uh, my buddies told me early on when I, that, that I had to go turkey hunt, so I went with them. I about got bit by a snake. I, I walked all the way in and on a uh, turkey all the way across a park and walked three miles, and a guy shot it off the roost while I was waiting on it to come down. I hunted with a cousin, and he shot it when I was supposed to be shooting it. I had three negative experiences right out of the gate on turkey hunting, and then I got to thinking, these turkeys are gobbling when these crappie are spawning. And I want to be really good. I like crappie fishing. I want to be good at it. And I can't mess around with these turkeys and be a good crappie fisherman too. So I chose the crappie fish and spawn over the over the turkeys. I had a uh, quick story. I had a place where we used to hunt and had a reservoir on it full of big bass. And I like second time I decided I was going to turkey hunt. Maybe the first time. I don't mean anybody. We were teenagers in high school. Went and bought a turkey call with a DVD to tell us how to use yep. the turkey call. And I was there about 10 minutes. I killed one with almost 12-inch beard, and the whole time I was just thinking about that reservoir and when I was going to get to go catch bass. So <laughs> I, hadn't, I hadn't turkey hunted much ever. Favorite Bible verse, Mark? Uh, probably Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. Uh, it changed my life at one point in time in my career. Um, and it was right about that time when the movie, I don't know if you guys remember the low-budget movie that the, the, uh, the, uh, forget the brother's name now the uh, that do the the Christian movies but anyway it was facing the Giants mm -hmm. that movie first came out Kendrick Brothers and 
they still continue. You've seen Overcomer and Firefighter and some of these other uh, movies that have, anyway, uh, that movie came out and Matthew 6.33 was either preached to me or I heard it at a, I think it was at a revival at my church. Scott Smith preached on it the same week that I saw that movie. And I was fit, to make a long story short, I was fishing, but I wasn't really putting God first in my fishing, 100% of my fishing. This is way before the conviction of fishing church. and when, I was saved, and I was telling people about Jesus along the way, but I wasn't really putting God first in my career. I was doing a lot of things that uh, was career-oriented first before God. And I began noticing that, and Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And that, that basically that's Jesus is telling the, the disciples were wondering about what they were going to eat. They were worried about what they were going to wear. They were worried about the simple things in life, kind of like I was worried about sponsorships. I was worried about, you know, we, we take the Bible now to put it into our term, you know, where we are now. When we think back to where they were, you know, but it's the same. We'd still deal with a lot of the problems. And at that point, that was where I was at. I, was, I, I wasn't I was getting there to where, you know, the sponsors and all that kind of stuff. And God just hit me like a ton of bricks with that movie and this verse. Put me first. You, you're doing a lot of running, but you're not putting me first. And, uh, and I'll take care of you when you do that, you know, and everything else will take care of itself. And I finally got it. And man, and it's so true. So Matthew six thirty three is kind of my life verse because it was a big turnaround uh, point in my career, and that verse had a lot to do with it. Very good. How hard is it to be a Christian and stay a Christian in professional fishing? We've talked about that through the fishing church. What's the best advice for young, aspiring fishermen? As much time on the water as you can spend, you know, really, because we talk about a lot of things. The, the, the sponsors, you have decals, your your looks like you got a new rod sponsor, and we, we've got, a, I mean, you see me with decals and these tournament jerseys, and we have to, you know, focus on that a lot to be able to make it out here fishing. But the reason why I have sponsors was because the time that I spent in the outdoors as a young man learning those outdoor instincts and skills and to separate because my fishing was separated from other guys. I had success because I was a good, you know, had success fishing and a good outdoorsman, and that came through spending much time as I could on the water. If you know, you may have rich grandma and rich grandpa and rich parents and can supply you with the best of the best out there and pay the entry fees and get you all the best equipment. But when the, that river's gonna rise, the weather's gonna change, the conditions, you know, you're gonna switch from different species from time to time and see different water clarities. And you need as much time on that water as you can spend crafting your skill and honing that skill then those sponsors come and everything else in fishing takes care of its place. Kind of like when uh, whoever, these young pro baseball players, they, you know, signing these gazillion dollar contracts, it comes because they're good. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. 
What is your top bait choice during, well, this one's pretty lengthy. Top bait choices during winter, spring, summer, and fall in Arkansas. Well, wintertime, um, it would probably be a, a jerk bait just because the, you know, we just recently had these 15, 16 degree nights. Um, and that, that, boy, you see a lot of shad dying that time of year. And those shad just can't take that. Um, they're a warm temperature bait fish. And so they'll be quivering. And then they'll kind of fall in the water. And then they'll quiver. And that's just, man, a feeding frenzy for those bass because they're still feeding on them. They know when that is coming. And they, they still gorge up on them. So a jerk bait is a hard bait to beat in the wintertime because those shad are real, you know, dying off basically. And that's what a jerk bait looks like when it's twitching so jerk bait then springtime a jig I, I, I love throwing a jig whether it be rocks or whatever crawdads are just getting out on those riprap and pea gravel and all that kind of bluffs and a jig's hard to beat summertime it'd be a crankbait i can cover a lot of water find schools catch two at a time um so a crankbait and then in the fall it would still be a a crankbait but I'd go to more of a lipless because a lot of our water lakes draw down a lot in the fall and the bait just kind of roams around and uh, a, a lipless like a red eye shad or something like that is a bait that I can cover lots of water and find the fish that are roaming on schools of shad that and a topwater bait in the fall you gotta so, add some excitement with the topwater that, that's bait. right we're going back and forth here between fishing and faith here Who's your favorite person in the Bible besides Jesus? Oh, man. Favorite person in the Bible besides Jesus. That's a tough one. Yeah. Peter would, you know, is one that stands out the most because he was a fisherman. And uh, I'd probably have to say Peter. Uh, spend a little time, Jesus spending a little time on the de front deck of his boat. And they, uh, they hung out and caught just a boatload of fish together and uh um uh, yeah it, there's so many reasons in the bible that i would say that it would be peter too because he he just reminds me a lot about myself just you know he ain't perfect he but he loves the lord and is after his own heart you know so yeah i like david i like him but if i had to choose one i guess it'd be peter okay this fella says, first, could I fish with him? Second, what technique is his preferred? Three, would he give his testimony at my church? Uh, yeah, you can reach out to me at Rose Outdoors, uh, mark at roseoutdoors.com, and all of my social media uh, platforms are, are basically at Rose Outdoors. Um, but mark at Rose Outdoors is my email address, and I've be glad to I love outdoor ministry it's 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 a passion of mine and uh, depending on if we can get our schedules lined up yeah reach out um, favorite technique it, it was favorite technique in there it was um, man just whatever they're biting catching fish <laughs> yeah gosh it uh, crankbait in the summer it's just hard to beat old head shake from a deep diving 6xd on the Tennessee River <laughs> if I was to if, if they said you're on death row and you get to go fishing tomorrow, catch them however you want, uh, they'd probably be throwing a 6XD on the Tennessee River. <clears throat>
What's the biggest buck you've killed living on the ridge? Um, while living on the ridge, I've only killed one on my place. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities at some that I just passed and let my daughters and uh, and her husband kill them. Um, that's happened a couple of times since we've been living over here or several times since we've been living over here. Um, but there was one time I came home from being out of town and uh, I was at a tournament and a new deer had popped up on camera. I went and checked my cameras and he w I saw him out chasing a doe and it was just a big non-typical nine point and real wide and heavy and uh, old mature deer. And Natalie had already killed one. John had already killed one. I said, I'm gonna go out here tomorrow and hunt that deer. He came out right at dark and I shot him with my crossbow. And I don't know, he was a low 150-ish, heavy frame nine point. About That's a big a six year old deer, yep, yep. Scott Bradshaw says, I'd ask him to be my partner in the Mr. Crappie Invitational. Adam Fall says, beer or whiskey? <laughs> uh, neither. Sweet tea. Yep. <laughs> How does his personal life get affected, if at all, being on the road? We've kind of covered that. But now let me back up to Brad's question. I'm, I'm not knocking, you know, that beer or whiskey, I don't, I don't think either one of them's going to, you know, I don't want to, I've got a lot of friends that drink and things like that, and I don't want to bash, I don't want, you know. But the, the bottom line, it, it, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, people that have struggled losing lives and addictions and things like that so i think if you can do anything in life when or, or where you're not you know doing it too much to where it causes harm like that it's certainly not going to send you to hell but uh uh i i certainly believe that uh, it's something that if, if you don't watch it can it can take over and control you and uh the best way for me to avoid that is to stay away from it, you know. <laughs> That's right. I could probably pet a snake. If you can, you can probably, you know, figure out ways to catch one, a rattlesnake. I've seen it done. But uh, if you do it too much, you're going to get bit. And I feel like that's a lot of the same with stuff like that. Best color for clear water in Texas? Man, it's hard to beat a green pumpkin anywhere, whether I it's agree. You know, watermelon red or, or green pumpkin, it's hard to beat. Real natural. There's a lot of bluegill and crawdad shades in there. When you were young, which fishing icon did you look up to the most? I've always looked up to Mark Davis. And you need to have him on this podcast sometime, Hunter, because he's right here in your backyard over in, uh, where is it? Uh, Ida. Mount Ida, yeah. Um, but Mark... Early on in my career, I, I've been partnered with Strike King Lure Company my entire career. And Mark was on board with him, and I hung out with him at, like, writers' conferences and stuff. And he was that one guy that, here I am, redheaded stepchild in fishing, don't know nothing about nothing, trying to make it. And he talked to me. You know, he sat down, he said hi to me, and talk fishing with me and wanted to know about me and stuff like that and so we hit a friendship off and I just I have a lot of respect for his ability to just be able to find fish and keep up with fish because he started out as a guide and he, his profession he, the way he put money on the table was figuring out the movements of bass 
and another species but um so yeah he's just got a big understanding of bass movement and just how to find them because he had to catch them it was more he had to catch them more so then than than just tournament fishing because if he didn't put his clients on fish early on then and he didn't have the forward-facing sonar and stuff he had to really get in tune with his outdoor skills and instincts and so yeah mark was just always one to take the time with me and there's been others who have uh helped me a lot you know kevin kevin has really people think that kevin van dam is this yankee and that he's cocky and stuff like that but you wouldn't <laughs> believe the heart of kevin van dam and he has spent a lot of time with uh, me and teaching me about the the ropes of the business side of fishing so there's been a lot of them but if i just had to throw one out there it'd be mark davis all right we're gonna get serious on these last two you ready Uh-oh. mayo or miracle whip miracle whip that's a no-brainer and my buddy mongo fishing asked tupac or biggie that's rappers in case you didn't yeah i don't know anything about either one <laughs> of them okay well i think we've covered all the questions mark <laughs> Well, those were pretty simple. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. I know it's a couple hour drive down here for you, but I appreciate. Well, you Hunter, you, I needed a, a guest on my show for Rose Outdoors, and I had a short notice, and I asked you if you'd come on after your big win. You know, you signing autographs <laughs> and all these new rod deals and sponsorships and stuff like that, and uh, my little old simple YouTube show needed a guest that month, and you come over and. Uh, you obliged me with your presence there, and I was just inspired and blown away and still am to this day. And It was one of my best shows, I think, that we've ever done. And So when you asked me to do something like this, I was going to come because uh, I just feel like you, you set aside some time for me, so I wanted to do it for you, buddy. It's all in the industry, helping each other out. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Mark. Tell them again where they can fi- find you. Rose Outdoors, you know, uh, Instagram, at Rose Outdoors, Facebook, Twitter, it's all Rose Outdoors. Again, that's just my business name and the the brand that we put everything under, and so it all, everything falls under there. Sounds good. Thank you all for watching the third episode of Hunter Fish's podcast, presented by Stick 5. Check us out on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. And uh, be looking for this podcast to come out everywhere they tell me podcasts come out. So uh, it'll be out for long. Thanks, y'all.